$10 off for any purchase over $95. And I believe this the entry-level model is $99. So you're automatically going to get a discount pretty much for anything that you purchase. Um, you know, why do I think you should go and take a look at the Grapido trainer? Well, um, I've got to give you the code first, haven't I? The code, the code to get the discount is one word BJJ strength. One word BJJ strength. Um, if you listen to the last couple of episodes and I said it's two words, it's actually one word, but I'll update those details. But anyway, why am I so excited by the Grapido trainer? Well, the Grapido trainer is probably one of the most versatile grip training tools that I've come across. Um, a lot of grip training tools will, if we just think, Think think of um, three to four key areas when it comes to grip strength training. One would be you've been able to close the fist tightly around an object. One would be to focus more on the strength of the fingers. Um, one would be to look at more at the pinching grip strength, so bringing the thumb into it. And another key area is going to be uh, rotation or anti-rotation exercises because if you know in jiu-jitsu when you're trying to hold on to something it's not just about the, the, the strength in, in the grip in the hand it's up the ability to keep your wrist in a solid position or rotate it depending on the situation maybe you're trying to put a choke on and you, you're flexing the wrists a little bit and a lot of grip strength in training grip strength training tools tend to cover maybe one or two of these areas, but the Grapido trainer is fantastic that it's, you're able to use it and adapt it in a way to hit all of these um, various areas of grip strength. So it's a very well-rounded, very complete grip strength training tool. Um, I'm very glad that I've got it in my arsenal, um, something that I pull out several times a week. Um, so what I'm going to do in the show description below is, you know, give you links to to the website, give you links to the the Grapido Trainer Instagram page, and you can you can go check it out um, and see for yourself what's going on. And maybe I can even link to some of the videos that I've done as well. Um, but guys, this show brought to you by the Grapido Trainer, so or the guys at Grapido, if I'm going to be correct in what I'm saying there. And as I said, they've given you, as listeners of the BJJ Strength Podcast, the opportunity to get $10 off any purchase over $95 or more by using the code, and this is one word, BJJ Strength. You're listening to the BJJ Strength Podcast. Helping you be your best physically, on the mats and off the mats. With your host, BJJ Black Belt and physical optimization specialist, Lawrence Griffiths. Okay guys, today's show, uh, just with yours truly, no guests, unfortunately, um... But from time to time, I like speaking to you on my own. You know, getting getting certain things off my off my chest. I think I might have said this in the past. I think this podcast sometimes is is like a form of therapy, um, but it's not a therapeutic subject uh, per se. Today, I'm going to talk about it. it's starting kettlebell training. I get I get asked a lot about. Yeah, I actually got asked this and got into a conversation with someone today. Um, how do you start kettlebell training? What should a program look like? What exercises should you focus on? What uh, you know? What kind of routine should you be following on a weekly basis? How many sessions, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. I talk about kettlebells a lot. I, I vouch um, and preach. 
the importance and the benefits of, of kettlebell training, specifically for people that train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I think it's about time that I, you know, introduce, not introduce the subject, because I've talked about this a lot, but tell you, okay, if you're going to start kettlebell training, what's my advice in terms of how you get into that? Um, I think it's, I get asked this a lot, so I think it's, this is going to be valuable to people. It's just to set the scene at the start. I'm not going to, this is not going to cover every single possible option of kettlebell training. It will become too complex. It's not going to cover every single element of strength and conditioning for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So what I'm going to give to you is not a complete program, but it's going to meet 80% of the needs for 80% of the people that want to do kettlebell training to supplement their Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and particularly for those people that are starting off kettlebell training. So if you're someone that's uh, new to kettlebell training um, and you're not sure where to start, you train Jiu-Jitsu and you want to know how to best learn kettlebells, because um, this is not just an exercise that you just pick up off the bat, but also how to complement it with your Jiu-Jitsu, then I think this is this is definitely for you. Um, but even for everyone else listening, hopefully, hopefully you haven't pressed stop at this point. I think you're going to pick up some interesting tips, even if um, you're already you already have kettlebell training in your routine. So with that, I'm going to start off with what size kettlebell should you buy? I think that's the most important question right at the start that plagues a lot of people, and you can waste a lot of energy. So I'm going to try to simplify it for you. And so you can get out there, buy those kettlebells and start with your training. For me, the rule of thumb that I've always used and it served me very well. I think nobody that I've given this advice to has ever come back and um, you know complained that it was, the, it was the wrong choice. I think this is a really good rule of thumb. And I picked this, I've adapted it slightly from the work that I read of Pavel Satsalin, um, who is you know, in many respects, I think the godfather of kettlebell training. Uh, at least you're at least you're in the in the Western world, and the rule is to buy a kettlebell twenty to twenty five percent of your body weight. So I'm I'm about ninety five kilos, but let's round it up. So I'm a hundred kilos, or let's use a round number again. I know the math is not correct here. Let's say I'm two hundred pounds. So I would get a fifty pound kettlebell or a twenty five kilo kettlebell. To, to try with using though I know that math is not correct 100 kilos is not 200 pounds but you get my point and what I would uh, the reason I've given them a bit of a range 20 to 25 percent is because you know the kettlebells don't come in 22 23 24 25 26 kilos right they tend to come in well traditionally kettlebells um, at least from what I've read came in came in 16 kilos 32 kilos and 48 kilos so very big jumps i believe one pood p double is the term for 16 kilos and it was they all went up it was one pood or two pood two poods i should say three poods <laughs> try saying that when you're drunk um that's the traditional weight so you, you don't get these nice small increments with kettlebells which is you know an advantage and a disadvantage depending on how you look at it so that's why I've given that range of 20 to 25%. And I think that's going to serve the majority of, of people. If you've got, um, you know, if you're, 
I, I don't want to say if you class yourself as 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 weak as you know much lower than average strength because I'd, I'd have to do an entire podcast of how you actually measure that but if you're you know maybe if you're completely coming from you know zero level of activity for the last you know two to three years I'll, I'll give you an example we had um a great guy come and train with us at the jiu-jitsu school and he was coming into he was coming into uh train jiu-jitsu after suffering a really bad car accident several years before and you know with the injuries that he had and you know also the lack of physical activity he'd been doing his approach into brazilian jiu-jitsu had to be you know taken you know very very carefully so there are going to be exceptions where maybe you've come you're coming back from a serious injury you've been you know have had next to no activity for several years then maybe you'd want to go lower um you know you you could go lower but uh, these are you know these are going to be more exceptional cases but for most people most of the time i think 20 to 25 percent of your body weight is a good place to start any heavier than that it's going to compromise your form and form is critical for any exercise, but you know particularly for uh, kettlebells because of the, the way you're moving using swings or Turkish get-ups. You know form is critical. So if you go heavier than that, I think it compromises your form when you're learning the exercises. But if you go too much lower than 20, 20, 20 to twenty-five percent, when you think of the, the one of the main exercises, the, the two-handed kettlebell swing, what you're doing is loading the posterior chain. Um, predominantly the glutes and the hamstrings the glutes i believe are the strongest that depends what you look at but you know the strongest muscle in the entire body so anything lower than 20 to 25 percent you're not going to have an effective a higher enough a high enough load to get an effective training effect from anything lower than 20 to 25 percent so that's a bit of a reasoning behind you know why that weight i think is um a good place to start so 20 to 25 percent of your body weight now, that would be if you could only buy one kettlebell. If you've got money and you're feeling flush and you can buy two kettlebells, because kettlebells, you know, they can start at about $100 depending on the weight. It's, um, you know, it's not pocket change, but it's definitely a worthwhile investment, absolutely. So, you know, just going out and buying a bunch of kettlebells is a big investment. But if you could, could buy two, what I would suggest is going up one weight. Don't get a lighter one, get a heavier one. Um, get something that would be, I would say 32 kilos, an eight kilo. I think the 16 kilo jump is is big um, if we're going to go on the pood measurements. But if you can get, you know, jump up to 32 kilos, I think that's going to be a good place to, um, a good place to, a good next step, let's say, is is the word I'm looking for. Up from let's say it's 24 kilos is your um, is 25% of your body weight. The next one would be 32 kilos. So that's about uh, I, I need to do the math. About 30 to 35% of your body weight. If I do that correctly, if I'm 100 kilos and 32 kilos, I went up to 32 kilos. Then it's 32% of my body weight. So, you know, 32 to 35% of the body weight would be a good jump for the next one um, to go um, to go up to. And it's you know a similar logic to a uh, similar logic to you know why you, you want to get the 25 kilos in terms of not having something too heavy that doesn't doesn't compromise your form and not having something that's too low to get that additional training effect 
because you could buy you know incremental ones i believe you can get a, you know a 28 kilo and then a 32 kilo but that becomes expensive and just a jump of four four kilos which would be what that what's that that's i really should have done some math on this one i didn't plan plan this out but a jump of four kilos on 24 kilos is 20 percent, right that's correct or is it just under 20 percent um so it is it is a big jump right and i know people are sitting here now who've come from a traditional weight weight training background you don't typically jump up in that those percentage points but because of the nature of kettlebells it's very hard uh, to, to go up incrementally by you know small percentages each time so that that providing you've got your form down and i'll talk about when you can go up in terms of the intensity later providing you've got your form down and you've really invested the time to learn the exercises i'll talk about later going from 24 up to 32 kilos it's going to be manageable uh, for most people there's always exceptions in it, everything that we say but i think that would be my recommendation is if you're going to buy a second one get something that's about 30 to 35 percent of your body weight now what if you can buy more kettlebells what if you've got more money honestly i wouldn't buy anything um I would wait to see how you progress with the training before you invest in anything more than two kettlebells. I wouldn't bother buying two kettlebells of the same weight at the start because you know double kettlebell swings are a lot more complex and you're going to get a, a really good training benefit from focusing on one at the time being. And I think it's almost better to go up with um, increase the weight of one kettlebell than it is to bring two into the picture at the start. But you know that's 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 a matter of opinion. But what I would say is. If you can buy more than two, unless you unless you're absolutely minted, um, and you you know you can afford to buy tons and tons of kettlebells, you know don't bother. I would just stick with one is going to be enough. One is going to be enough for most people at least for the first three to six months, and then maybe you can invest in um, another one later on. So that's what size kettlebell um, I recommend that you, you you buy. And ap apologies for the garbled maths on that with all the percentages, but I think hopefully you should get what I'm talking about now the next thing is okay you've bought your kettlebells you've you know you've ordered it from amazon the mailman has struggled to get it up the driveway as they do every single every single time i'm going to do a little segue uh the first time i bought a 48 kilo uh kettlebell was when i was still living in london and the the, the i believe it was ups whoever the service was i'm not bad mouthing people here they refused to take it off the back of the truck it was it was that heavy but anyway um You've got your kettlebells. So the next thing is what exercises are you going to focus on is the point that I'm slowly coming around to making. And I'm going to say there are two exercises you should focus on first and foremost, at least in the first three to three to six months of, of the kettlebell training. And I'll tell you why. In a, I'll tell you the exercises and I'll tell you why in a second. And these are the same exercises that you know Pavel Satsalin in a couple of books talks about starting off with where you build your you know your foundation of kettlebell training um I think he talks about only these two in Simple and Sinister one of his books um slightly different reasons why for doing at least one of the exercises um and the programming I'll talk about is going to be a little bit differently uh, a little bit different when I mean programming it's you know how do you plan the training with the kettlebells around your jiu-jitsu but what are, what are the exercises? The exercises are the two-handed swing and the Turkish get-up. Now, these exercises should be fundamental to almost any strength and conditioning program for, for jiu-jitsu. But if we're talking about, okay, 
a nice, simple strength and conditioning program with kettlebells for someone that trains jiu-jitsu, starting off with kettlebells, they absolutely form the foundation of you know what you should be doing. In fact, should be the only exercises in there. Now, the two-handed swing, first and foremost. The two-handed swing is critical to learn and critical to spend a lot of time on you know throughout your time training kettlebells because the strength and power that you develop and also the technique that you learn in that movement to do in the two-handed swing is fundamental to almost every kettlebell exercise that you'll do um every swinging kettlebell exercise that you will do let's put it that way um when you want to get into snatches, you want to get into cleans, you want to get into even you know traditional cleans and traditional snatches, but triple extension, cleans and snatches, so extend, extending through the ankle, knee and hip, rather than just the knee and hip with a lot of kettlebell swings, and you know other exercises as well. They all they all come from a foundation of having a good swing, having a good hip hinge and hip extension and, and extending through the knee at the same time. So it's it's critically important to learn these exercises and then invest a lot of time in it, or the, this exercise, I should say, the two-handed swing. And on top of that, having a strong posterior chain uh, for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, whether you're putting hip pressure on someone, if you're in mount, you're trying to, you're doing a hip bump and a hip escape, slightly different mechanics, but we're talking about, um, you know, a simple program here. That hip hinge movement is is critical or strength through the posterior chain. If you're sprawling on someone, you can think of countless examples. Right, I could keep going, but that uh, you know a strong hip hinge moment movement and strength through the posterior chain, it's essential. So that's why I picked the two handed swing. Now the next one is the Turkish get up. I've said on this show and actually on other people's shows as well a couple of times that if I had to pick only one exercise for strength and conditioning for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if I only had to pick one exercise, I would probably pick the Turkish get-up. In terms of performance benefit, in terms of an overall strength benefit, and in terms of an overall health benefit, the Turkish get-up for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu could be, in my opinion, probably is you know the, the the best exercise so let's think of uh, you know the performance element of it if you if you're familiar with the turkish get up then you know what i'm talking about and if you're not um you know look up some videos while well, trying my best to explain quickly the, the turkish get up when you're lying on your floor or lying on the floor you've got one arm above you so you know you can only you can only you can't use the one arm that's isolated above you you've got to rotate onto the other shoulder and an elbow and hip and then from there you've got to post up on your elbow post up onto your hand get into um you know from there get up into like a, a lunge position and from the lunge position get up into a fully standing position and if you think of then all of the movements that you perform in jiu-jitsu where you're um, you know, post, um, trying to post someone, post your arm out to someone who's on top of you, posting off the floor and shrimping your hips away. If you've got an underhook in a butterfly guard and you're trying to maintain um, you know, good, good posture and, and, and rotate onto one hip. Uh, and, and so many other examples that... Of course, right, these movements don't mimic exactly 
a Turkish getup. But when you think of the mechanics and the and the movements and the parts of the body that you're using during those movements, it has an incredible translation over to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So you know, becoming strong in those movements is only going to help you perform better on the mats. In terms of an overall strength benefit, we can we can often think about uh, strength being you know, just how much you can lift in terms of a squat, a bench press, some kind of pulling exercise, whatever the case may be. But, you know, strength is that ability. Strength is, uh, you can you can define strength any way you want, I suppose. Not in terms of the, phys- you know, in terms of, you know, physiology and physics, but being strong throughout the entire body, strong through your core, through your spine, through your hips, through your shoulders, through the wrist, through the elbow, um, just tying the body together for want of a better term and you using and recruiting your body as one entire unit it has a lot of crossover benefit to um to any sport really um particularly brazilian jiu-jitsu because you're you know trying to use your body as one unit um as uh, to, to to apply force to your opponent so um just having that strength throughout the entire body I think is you know a huge benefit but the health benefit which i think is more important is the turkish getup forces you to put your shoulder your elbow your ribs your hips um activate your core in ideal positions if you do it correctly of course right any exercise can be done incorrectly and when you train your body to uh, michael mike uh, dr michael strumness talked about this in the last podcast i think it was the last podcast um and you know activating the muscles and supporting muscles around the shoulder having the shoulder blade in the right place not being shrugged in the shoulder all of these things that over time if you if you don't train your body and strengthen your body to be in these good positions you're you know more likely in my opinion i think in many people's opinions to to get injured and to get wear and tear on the joints because they're not in ideal positions so when you force your body when you use your exercise when you use an exercise to force your body and train your body in these ideal positions ideal joint positions ideal rib positions it's only going to benefit you i feel in terms of the long-term health of your body yourself and and you when you train jiu-jitsu so that's I gotta really ramble about the Turkish getup, but I do love that exercise. But you know, it's that that's why um, I think you should do the Turkish getup. If you haven't, if you haven't done, um, if you're not convinced to try and do the Turkish getup after I've told you all of these benefits, then uh, probably I should give up. <laughs> I think. But anyway, those are the exercises. The two exercises I think you should focus on when you're starting kettlebell training for jujitsu. It's the two-handed swing and the Turkish getup. Okay, so now programming. How do you how do you build that into a routine? How do you tie it into everything else that you're already doing? How many reps should you be doing? How many times per week, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm very excited to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by the Mallorca BJJ Yoga Festival. If you listen to one of our recent episodes with uh, Mr. Joe Nordebear. Uh, who is a black belt instructor um, under the Hodger Gracie team and runs and, and teaches jiu-jitsu at his academy in Mallorca. He talked at length about a really exciting festival that he's got coming up in October of this year, the Mallorca BJJ Yoga, Yoga Festival. 
So obviously it's a mix of jujitsu, it's a mix of yoga, and it's going to be for one week in, in October on the island of Mallorca, which is in the Mediterranean. If you've never been to Mallorca, it's an incredibly beautiful island, um, really idyllic, ama- amazing clear blue water, amazing food, amazing culture, and the weather in October is going to be absolutely perfect. So depending on where you live, if you need to escape the winter blues and get a dose of vitamin D, I've been to the island myself, spent time with Joe there, it's a fantastic place, he's a fantastic guy, but uh, you know, more than that, you're going to get some incredible jujitsu instruction there. The confirmed people so far, and these are only the ones that Joe's, Joe has announced, uh, Mauricio Gomez, um, Not every, most of you will know who Mauricio is, but those of you who don't, that's Hodger Gracie's father, um, so to learn jujitsu from one a person who in his own right was an incredible competitor back in his day you should listen to some of the stories but also would have been a key influence in the success of who is in my opinion the greatest jiu-jitsu fighter of all time that's a person you absolutely want to, to learn from um done a few lessons with him and myself in the past and can absolutely vouch for the quality of the instruction you'll get there also ross nichols uh, you know, one of the the most prominent uh, BJJ black belts in the UK. Ross was on the on the show a couple of weeks ago, and also you've got Daniel Strauss, aka the Raspberry Ape, uh, and uh, both Ross and Daniel, both Hodger Gracie black belts, both prominent uh, competitors in the UK scene. And Daniel Strauss, obviously very unique in his approach to strength and conditioning as well. So, and those are just the three people that Joe's announced. Um, and on, so there'll be there'll be jujitsu every day. There'll be yoga every day. You can mix and match between between them both. And it's knowing Joe, the setup is going to be brilliant. There's going to be amazing food there at this hotel. You know, these this guy knows how to, how to you know put on put on a good show. And what's even more exciting is that he's given me a discount code that I can give to you. That you can use to get ten percent off your booking plus 50 euros as a credit to spend at the hotel so if you bought a room for two people you'll get 10 percent off plus you will get 100 euros to spend at the hotel so that's a pretty good deal if you ask me that uh, code is early griff 50 i'll put it in the show description below so you, you know you, you can work past my accent and the other really good thing about um the way Joe has set this up is that it's only 250 euros to reserve a place. So if you haven't got all the money now, you can reserve your spot and you can actually get a refund up until the second, the second of August. So you can put your money down now because there's only 300 places, guys. 300 places, and you know, with with how big jujitsu is in Europe at the moment, those are going to go quickly. So I've, if I was you, I would really, I would snap up the opportunity and get on top of that as quickly as you can. And if you're having an hour and just reserve your space, and you've got up until you have up until April the second to get a full refund. So you know, I'd advise you to book your space um, as quickly as you can, and then you can always get the refund up until April the second. So I'm going to put any, a bit of information. In the show description with the the, the, the discount code, uh, the at MBJJ Yoga Fest, the Instagram handle, and also the website where you can go and book. Um, but you know, at the very least, guys, get onto Instagram, follow those guys, and find out what's going on. But I would highly recommend going to the festival in in, in Mallorca, train BJJ for a week, do some yoga, have a have a damn good time, and you know, fingers crossed, maybe I can make it out there from California as well. But with that, guys, let's get on with the show. Now, before you run off 
and just start doing as many reps as you can, which I don't recommend trying to push up the weight, even before you get into the simple program that I'm going to give you. You need to spend, I want to say four weeks. Ideally, I would like you to spend four weeks on this. At the bare minimum, spend two weeks. But ideally, I would spend four weeks just learning the exercises. Just learning the exercises. I'm not going to talk about the technical details of each exercise on a podcast. It would be it would be too much, and you know, we'd I'd lose you. I am going to give two links in the show description that de- describes in detail the Turkish getup and describes in detail the kettlebell swings. And what I would want you to do for the first, I'm going to say, four weeks, is spend the time just learning these exercises, studying the videos, being really critical with your form. Video, videotaping yourself with, um, with 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 your phone, looking back and trying to just learn the exercises. R- don't worry about oh I want to get strong, I want to develop uh, power. Forget about that. Just learn the exercises and learn good form, and give yourself the foundation with which you can build build on to then develop great strength and great power and great athletic potential. So for the swings, what I recommend is three times a week doing five sets of one to two reps literally one to two reps being really critical on how you set up the swing and being really critical about how you finish the swing you know five sets of one rep honestly that's you you're not going to get so much of a training effect in terms of the volume and intensity that you're doing but this is more about building a foundation and critically learning the exercises so five sets of one to two reps on the swings three times per week and I know this is going to feel like you're not working at the start but what we're doing here is learning learning the exercise uh, firing the central nervous system and training the central nervous system and training the neural pathways within the body to you know adapt and to learn these exercises and it's going to be it's this is really important for you Um, even though it it feels like you're not going to be doing that much work so for the swings five sets of one to two reps three times a week I recommend Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but you know that whatever cadence you want to do. Then, with the Turkish getup, what I want you to do with the Turkish getup is first of all, no weight, no weight whatsoever. Take your time doing five reps each side with no weight, being very slow and very smooth with the movement, filming yourself and being very, very critical. So do that. Um, and maybe you could even use this as a warm-up. Five reps, each side, slow and smooth, but with no weight. Really just learning the exercise. Once you've done that, then this is all in the same session. Once you've done the the, the, the no weight Turkish get-ups, five reps each side, then what, what I want you to do is to just do one or two reps on each side with the weight, going as far as you comfortably can with with the weight. Now for some people, it's gonna be just getting up into the sit-up position. For some people, you may get into the half lunge. For some people, you may get to the top of the Turkish get-up, but then you can't get back down. So just do one to two reps each side with the weight. So you're already practicing the movement with no weight. And all you're doing here now is just bringing, some, bringing the load into the exercise and just training your body to handle it under the load and always 
in the first four weeks when you're learning the exercises, don't worry about pushing and going, I could have gone a little bit further. Form is critical here. If you're questioning whether you can go one step further or not, err on the side of caution when you're learning these exercises and build up over time. And then each week and each session, if you go a little bit further with the movement, great. But only go as far as you comfortably can while learning the exercise. Again, the goal of the first four weeks is not, you know, you will develop some strength, you will develop some power, but it's not about the physiolog physiological adaption to the exercises, it's about learning the exercise, and that's what I want you to focus on. So after you've done that for the full four weeks, I've drawn up this little program that hopefully makes sense, that should I think, you know, give you a good 12-week or a good 24-week plan to give you an introduction to kettlebells. And I would like most people to spend, on top of the four weeks learning the exercises, at least 12 weeks, maybe even 24 weeks, going through this cycle before you start worrying about adding more weight, before you start worrying about bringing more complex exercises in. And the conversation I had earlier today with, um, with my friend Jason about introducing kettlebells is, and this this goes for any any strength and conditioning program um, or strength and conditioning approach for any sport, particularly jujitsu. Try to think beyond the twelve weeks. Think to the twelve months, the eighteen months, and the twenty-four months. Think much longer term, and it's consistency. Consistency over time is going to give you much more benefit than intensity and trying to really burn the candle right at the start. Time and time again, I see people starting new training plans. They're great for the first four, maybe eight, maybe even 12 weeks. But then you speak to them after that and they're not doing it anymore. It's the people that take their time and they're, they're patient with the training over a long-term over a long -term window, you know, 12, 18, 24 months, right? I've been working with kettlebells now for at least 12 years, maybe 2007 roughly is when I started to train them and um, it's about the time I met my wife <laughs> I think so I should know I should know exactly when that is please don't tell her um and then we, we work you know doing strength and conditioning and focused on strength and conditioning in my, in my life with other sports since I was you know 17 18 years old so nearly 20 years right and it's consistent effort over time that's going to pay dividends rather than looking for intensity. But I've gone on a bit of a tangent. So what is this 12-week program that I want to give you? So the 12-week program is going to be broken down into three four-week cycles. So four weeks, four weeks, and four weeks. The first three weeks of each cycle is going to be higher intensity and, and, higher, and higher volume. And then when you get to the fourth week, so... You do one, two, three weeks of higher intensity, higher volume, but then when you get to the fourth week, it's a deload week where you only do 50% of the training volume that you did for the other three weeks. And then you that, that cycle repeats. So think about it, you know, three weeks, higher volume, higher intensity, one 50% volume. Then you go back to three weeks, one week, lower volume. Hopefully that makes sense. So you've got three, four-week cycles. So what should the, the weekly program look like? for the three weeks of higher intensity, higher volume. I'm going to give you some recommendations. I don't think you need to follow this slavishly, but I want to give you the principle that I'm following. And if you feel like you want to adapt it, 
Um, you know, I'm not one to stop you. I can give you my advice, and you can choose to throw it out the window if if you want. I hope you don't. Um, but if you want to, but I want to give you the principle behind it. So then, if you do want to make tweaks, uh, you can you can do so. And the principle I'm going to use Monday, Wednesday, Friday as an example. It should always be full re one full rest day between doing this, but that could be a Tuesday. Uh, Thursday, Saturday, um, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, you know, you can play around with how you want to do that. But I'm going to use Monday, Wednesday, Friday as the example. So Monday is a higher volume day. Um, then Wednesday is going to be the lowest volume day of all of the week. So, you know, when you, when you, obviously the, the Monday is going to be a harder, harder day and you need to have a certain amount of volume to get a training effect. Um, but then on the Wednesday, you do a lower volume day, so you're still learning that the exercises, you're still training the central nervous system, but a lower volume allows you to to still get some training effect without pushing it too hard, and it's some built-in recovery within the week. And then Friday is going to be higher volume than the Wednesday, but not as high as the, as the Monday. So Monday is the hardest day, Wednesday is the easiest day, and then Friday is kind of in between the Monday and the, and the Wednesday. So that's the principle that you're trying, trying to follow. So you've got enough volume and enough work to get a training effect, but you're not pushing, pushing yourself to the limit. Well, you should never really push yourself to the limit. You should always leave something in the tank, but you've got built-in recovery during the week is what I'm trying to say. So Monday... What I recommend is doing five sets of two to three swings of the so five sets of two to three swings on the two-handed um, two-handed swing. So again, that's five sets of two to three swings. Then for the Turkish get-up, three reps each side. Go in as comfortably as you you feel you can. And as comfortably as you could um, based on the four-week preparation phase. So if you can only get into a sit-up sit-in position, only do the sit-in, only only get up into the sit-in position and do three reps each side. So again, Monday is five sets of two to three swings, and then three reps each side of the Turkish get-up as far as you comfortably can with that exercise. Wednesday, you're only gonna do two sweat two sets of the swings. And it's only going to be three to four swings with the two-handed swing. So, you know, much, much lower volume, though the work is going to be you know, less intense um, because it's, you know, well, you're still using the same weight, but, you know, lower volume, so less for your body to take on. And, you know, re focus on form as, uh, for, for all of these, right? That's, you know, kind of uh, goes without saying in many respects, but on the lighter days, think about it all more. The lower volume days, think about it more as um, okay. I'm learning the exercise here, and be hypercritical, and take your time with it, and hypercritical with the form and how what you're doing. So two sets of three to four swings, and then with the Turkish get up, one rep, one rep each side. Again, only as far as you comfortably can with the exercise, but slow it down. Almost 50% of the pace. The Turkish getup should be a slow exercise anyway, but I want you to make it even slower again for Wednesday. So you can pause in certain positions and focus on the positioning of certain parts of the body and all you know all of the pointers that you'll see in the video that I'll link below. So Wednesday is two sets, three to four reps, and one rep very slow, very slow on each side of the Turkish getup. Then Friday, it's gonna be back up to three sets. 
of the two-handed swings of three to four reps and on the Turkish get-up two reps each side um, not, so I go back up to a normal speed again a normal speed for a Turkish get-up is slow but go back up to a normal speed so slightly higher volume on the Friday than, and then the Wednesday but not as much as, as, as the Monday so I hope that makes sense I'm just going to reiterate it one one more time so Monday is five sets of two to three swings then three reps of the Turkish get-up as far as you comfortably can on each side. Wednesday is two sets of three to four swings. And then one rep very slowly of the Turkish get-up on each side. Then Friday is going to be three sets of three to four swings. And then two reps each side as far as you comfortably can with the Turkish get-up. So you don't have to follow that exclusively to the letter of the law. But... Hopefully you understand the principle there, and you can give you and, and you know you can build in some uh, you know give yourself a little wiggle room for when you're training. But what I would say is it's going to feel like you're not doing that much work. It's going to feel like that you want to do more, but I would really recommend that you don't do more. I recommend you all you know if you feel like you can do more, stop because that's when you're going to start running into overtraining. Um, and again, it's consistency over time and intensity that's going to get you the benefits rather than trying to really hammer hammer it home um, you know, and really push the boundaries every single training session. Then when you get into your deload week, which is the fourth week of each four-week cycle, just reduce all those volumes down by 50% and maybe even reduce it down to just two days. So you're still training the exercises, um, and you're still getting some training effect, but it'll, it gives you time for the body to, to recover. So hopefully that makes hopefully that makes sense um, in terms of the 12-week cycle. Now, what do you do after you've done those first 12 weeks? Now you've got you've got two options really. Um, there's there are two main variables that you can manipulate when you're looking at strength and conditioning and one is going to be volume and the other one's going to be intensity. Now there are a lot of things that fall under intensity. It can be the weight of the movement, the speed of the movement, the complexity of the movement, but at a, you know, at a high level of volume and intensity are the two key variables that you can manipulate to adjust your strength and conditioning. So when you, after you've done the first 12 weeks of this program, what I recommend is adjusting the volume. Don't adjust the intensity at this point. And then increase the volumes slightly on the Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, only by about 10%, not much more, about 10%. And go and go back into the cycle. But when you can get it, when you can get then, you go back into the cycle, let's say you do another 12 weeks, where do you go after that other 12 weeks? When you can get up to doing five sets of five to six swings, with 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 the, the two handed swing, and then a Turkish get up with five full repetitions each side. You know, up all the way down, so ten reps in total, five each side. Only then, if you can do that for two to three sessions or consecutive two to three sessions per week over two weeks, should you then start you know look to move up, move up the weight. Now you're probably going to move up the weight with the swing much quicker than you are with the Turkish get-up because the Turkish get-up is a much more complex exercise. Um, but I would—that's that's the general recommendation that I would I would give to people is you know once you can do five sets, five to six swings on the two-handed swing, 
and you can then also do five full reps up and down on each side with the Turkish get up and you may reach those points at different times with each exercise only then should you really consider going up um, going up the weight but if you've only got one kettlebell and if you've only got you know you haven't had the chance and the money to invest in another kettlebell what you can do and this only really applies to to the Turk to the Turkish get up not sorry my, my mistake only applies to the to the to the swing is you can increase the intensity of the exercise by focusing on how quick you bring the kettlebell up so you know not pulling with the arms the arms still remain very very loose but if you have a, a quicker you know snap of the hips a stronger hip drive you can increase the intensity of the exercise because you know a faster kettlebell swing requires more force so you can increase the intensity of the exercise by increasing the speed of the swing you know without compromising good form so that's one way to increase the intensity after you've hit certain volume thresholds without buying another kettlebell. And the other way that you can do it is by, you know, pulling the kettlebell down, you know, really quickly between the legs rather than just leaving it swing down naturally. And the more, the faster that you pull it down, you know, the more kinetic energy the posterior chain has to absorb um, and the more force, uh, you know, it, it needs to, absorb um, i don't know whether absorb is, is the right term term in this in this instance but you know the quicker that you bring it down uh, that that deceleration requires a lot of um requires your body to generate a lot of force as well so it's another way to increase the intensity of the exercise by focusing on you know a quicker downward swing again without compromising form always without you know compromising form and then for the turkish get up yeah, I don't recommend increasing the speed of the Turkish get-up because it's such a complex exercise. But you could slow the Turkish get-up down. If you get, let's say you've got a 24 kilo kettlebell and you can do five reps each side, nice, smooth and controlled, slow the exercise down. That's another way to make it you know, more intense for yourself. So you do have options if you've only got one kettlebell. But the point you know, I, I'm, I'm making is that, you know, once you've gone through these three, you know, gone through one 12-week cycle, then, you know, the two variables that you should look at are going to be volume and intensity. But I recommend for most people at the start, try and hit those benchmarks of five sets of five to six swings with the two-handed swing and five reps each side of a full, you know, full rep up and down with the Turkish get-up before you move up the weight. Um, focus on the volume first, and then we talked about some different ways to, to vary the intensity. So there should be enough, you know, to get you to get you started. And after the four week preparation phase and a foot one full week, 12 week cycle, ideally foot two, two full 12 week cycles, um, I wouldn't add in any other exercises. Um, I wouldn't add in, add you know, any of the kettlebell exercises this is not you know you could conceivably follow this program for you know till the end of time and keep adding weight and it's going to be you know for a lot of people you're going to get a hell of a lot of benefits um this is not meant to be right an all-encompassing strength and conditioning program um you know, this because there would be you know other exercises you're going to put put into that you're going to you know squatting exercises core strength exercises grip etc but this is you know purely just starting kettlebell training um this is not meant to you know to be a catch-all 
by any stretch of the any stretch of the imagination. But that's what I recommend to get started. Um, and with that, I'm going to wrap it up. I know I can tend to ramble on a little bit, and you know some of the episodes can go over two hours, but I'm going to keep this one a little bit shorter, um, and hopefully that gives you some food for thought. So, guys, um, thank you for listening. If you get the chance, it would be really great if you could subscribe to this podcast on whatever whatever platform you're listening on. Um, you know, the more you subscribe, the more the platforms push the podcast, the more people I, I can reach. And you know, for me, this is all about helping people. And you know, one of the ways to do that is to, is to reach more people. So please do that if you haven't already. But again, as always, appreciate you listening, and I'll speak to you next time.